A few weeks ago, Pastor John started this series for us on Elijah. He shared with us here from, John, from 1 Kings chapter 17 how this young prophet came on the scene. And he came and he pronounced judgment upon uh, the king of Israel and the people at that time, Ahab and his wife, the wicked queen Jezebel. And uh, came and pronounced judgment. He said that it was not going to rain. There would be a drought. And then all of a sudden he was gone. Just like that, sort of like we see a comet. I always think of Elijah like a comet, who you see, and then all of a sudden he's gone. And that's what Elijah was. He came on the scene, he pronounced judgment, and all of a sudden he's gone. He's off. God sent him off last week, as Pastor John talked about, to the brook Cherith. And there he had the ravens feed him in the morning and in the evening, and he drank from the brook. But then all of a sudden something happened. As uh, we, Pastor John brought us to last week, if you look at the, the Bible, and it says there in verse 7, And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now how long had this been? It had been two years, just about two years since Elijah came, pronounced the judgment, said that there was going to be a drought, goes off the chariot. Two years passed. For two years, God has been feeding this prophet at the brook and taking care of him. And now all of a sudden, the brook dries up. And he comes to him and he says, Okay, Elijah, it's time for you to move. It's time for you to get up. It's time for you to go. And maybe you sit here this morning and maybe you feel like your brook has dried up. Maybe you're sitting here this morning dealing with some physical problems. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you don't have a job. Maybe you feel like this is panic time. Maybe you sit here this morning and uh, you're saying, God, have you forgot about me? Um, Maybe you're sitting here this morning and just like there was a shortage of food and a shortage of water now, maybe for you it's a shortage of simply patience with your kids. Maybe for you this morning, maybe it's simply a shortage of loving your wife like you really need to. Or honoring and submitting to your husband like you need to. Maybe there's some things that you feel in your life that just aren't where they need to be. And for this prophet Elijah, all of a sudden, God had been there and God had been taking care of him. And God had provided that cool water for him to drink and for that food from the birds who brought it. But all of a sudden, it's gone. And so he comes. It's an uncertain time for him. And you know, in our Christian walk, I really believe that we're going to go through some uncertain times. Cherith for Elijah was sort of like boot camp, and God's going to send him off to another test. And sometimes life is like that. Sometimes it's just one test after another. But I, I want you to remember this this morning. Every test we go through, God has a purpose. Everything that we go through in life is for the purpose of making us more like Christ. And so here, for him, it's going to be another test. For him, it's sort of an uncertain time. And so here, let's look at what happens in Elijah's life in this uncertain time. As God says, listen, it's time for you to get up and go to Zarephath. Now, the first thing I want to tell you this morning, when we have uncertain times, here's the first thing we need to do, is we need to be willing to face our fears. And you say, well, where do you find that here? Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Zarephath this morning. First of all, let me tell you that Zarephath 
was the place, it was the a place where Jezebel's home was. It was the hometown of Jezebel. And it wasn't real close to where he was either. It was about 100 miles away. So he's got to make this trip. And remember the last time that Elijah had been out in public, what did he do? The last time he was in public, he stood before Ahab in his court, and he pronounced judgment. He said, God is going to bring a drought. God is going to, bring no, God is going to let there be no rain because of the sin of this land and your sin, Ahab. And so the last time, that's where he was seen. So right now, he is a marked man. He is a marked man, but he's got to make this trip from the brook of Jareth to Zarephath, 100 miles, what we might call through enemy territory. So then when he gets there, he's going to get to Zarephath, which is the hometown of Jezebel. Now, if there was ever a wicked woman, it was Jezebel. She was a wicked woman. We're going to meet her as we continue through the life of Elijah a little bit later in our study. But she was a wicked queen, and this was her hometown. Zarephath was also a wicked town filled with wicked people when you go back and you study this. The word Zarephath itself means to melt or to smelt. It, it means, it, it's a, the noun form of it is crucible. It's a crucible. It is a place of refinement. And just like the brook of Cherith was a place of refinement, he is going to continue that refining work in Elijah's life. And again, let me remind you this morning, Christian, in living the Christian life, I really believe God is going to take us through some tests and take us through some difficulties to refine us to be more like him. So those uncertain times are often God testing us, often God working in our life in different ways, looking for our obedience, looking for us. The path of faith leads or goes through obedience. The path of faith goes through obedience. And so he says, it's time to get up and go. And what does this prophet do? He gets up and he goes. He arises and he goes. But when he gets there, it's not exactly what he expected, I believe. He, so the second point here this, this morning is simply this. Be willing to accept the unexpected. Because he said, remember he says to him, listen, as a widow is going to feed you. A widow is going to take care of you. Now, that makes a little bit more sense than the ravens feeding him, but still, from Elijah's standpoint, he's thinking, the, a widow is going to take care of me? Shouldn't I go there and take care of her? But God says, no, this widow is going to take care of you. She's going to be the one who is going to take care of you. This widow is going to sustain you. But when he gets to the town, what does he find out about this widow? She's out gathering sticks to prepare her what? Last meal. So how is she going to take care of him? How is she going to meet his needs when she doesn't even have enough food to take care of herself? Be willing to accept the unexpected. Never underestimate first impressions, for they're often a test. 
And I believe, again, this is a continuing test in his life. He gets there. God said, this widow is going to take care of you. She's going to sustain you. And he gets there, and he finds out that this widow is what? She doesn't have anything to take care of him with. First impressions. Never underestimate first impressions. They're often a test. I'll never forget graduating from Liberty in 1978 and being all excited about finally getting out into ministry. And we were going to go to Newcastle, Pennsylvania. And uh, we were all excited, and we went there, and we candidated, and uh, talked back and forth with the pastor who was bringing us there. And uh, I remember getting this phone call. He said, Dick, he said, I'm just calling to tell you, I am so excited we have rented a house for you. And he said, let me tell you about this house. He said, you're going to love it. He said, first of all, it has a garage. Now, you know, I'm, I'm a college student who has lived in a trailer in the basement of a house and an apartment. And I'm thinking, wow, we're finally going to have our own house and it's going to have a garage. This is exciting. And he said, it has, a, it has a basement. It has a second story. He said, this is going to be lovely. You're going to, this is so nice. I am so excited that we were able to rent this house for you. So we were all excited. We packed up everything in our little U-Haul and and we made that trip from Lynchburg, Virginia to Newcastle, Pennsylvania. And I'll never forget pulling our U-Haul into the driveway and looking ahead of me at the garage. And that garage leaned. I know, it leaned 40. It was like this. It was unbelievable. I said, oh, okay. I won't be able to put my car in the garage. But that's okay. You know, that's not a big thing. And then I remember going inside the house. I remember going up to the second floor, which she said it was a two-story house. It wasn't a two-story house. It was just sort of a, 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 an attic that they had put a carpeting in that was like 40 years old. And I couldn't even stand up up there, and I'm short anyway. <laughs> and I remember talking about the basement. You know, I'm sort of picturing this maybe basement that's finished. And I go down to the basement, and it's a dirt floor. And I'm afraid to even go down the steps. And I remember walking through that house, and I'm thinking, this is not at all what I expected. And I remember saying to God, God, come on, this isn't fair. I'm I'm here to do full-time ministry for you. I deserve better than this. And it was not at all what I expected. And I remember the first ministry was not all what we expected. The pastor was ready to retire. I remember going to the first board meeting. He wasn't even there. And the first thing the board told me was, you're here for the purpose of replacing him. He's old. He's going to retire. He wasn't even at the meeting. I remember being in that church, and I remember the pastor. He got his sermons mailed in each week. Every week, every Thursday, they came in there. I remember one week... He panicked because the mail didn't arrive. The sermon didn't come. I thought, God, this is not how I grew up. This is not what I expected. And then I got there and I found out that they sprinkled. They didn't immerse. Man, I thought, God. And and I said, you know what, God, this is where you brought us, though. And so, you know what? I don't know what you want to teach us here, but we're going to do what I think you brought us here to do. And so we, we got involved in ministry there, and, 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 we, I, and, and we did struggle. We struggled horribly, but I knew this, this was a test. 
It wasn't anything like I thought it was going to be, but it was a test that God was going to put us through. And we were able to plant an Awana club there. And I can tell you this, I can tell you that 33 years later, you know what, there's still a thriving Awana ministry there at Calvary Independent Church in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. And still boys and girls are coming to Christ in that church. I got the privilege about four years ago to go back and preach at that church. And and that was the exciting thing is, listen, it wasn't at all what we expected. I knew it was God saying, okay, it's it's not what you expected, but are you still willing to follow me? Are you still willing to be obedient? And that's what it has to be. In the midst of these tests, we have to be willing to realize that God is still working. God is still working. So I want to tell you this morning, I don't know what you're going through. Some of you sit here this morning and, and you're without a job. Some of you have jobs and, your mo- and, and the money that you've made has been cut. And I don't, I don't know what you're going through, but I can tell you this much, that I have a God who is faithful and you have a God who is faithful. And he will take care of you even in the uncertain times. And so as Elijah arrives here in Zarephath, And he meets this widow. It's not what he expected at all. But he still had faith that God was going to take care of him. He still had faith. Listen, God knew where Elijah was. God knew what Elijah needed. And God knew how he was going to take care of him here, even at Zarephath. Be willing to face your fears. Be willing to accept the unexpected. And number three, be willing to trust God based on past experiences. And that's the one thing Elijah had going for him here. He had a past experience with God. He had seen God work. He had seen God provide for two years for him. Every morning when that raven showed up with food and every evening when that raven showed up with food, he had seen the faithfulness of God. And maybe you sit here this morning and maybe you're in an uncertain time in your life, but listen, I want you to stop and I want you to think about God's faithfulness. There's a portion of scripture that I often run to and uh, take your Bibles and turn just for a moment moment to the book of Psalms and turn to Psalms chapter 78. Because when we think about being willing to trust God based on past experiences, I often think of Psalms 78. Psalm 78 here, we're not going to take the time to read the whole chapter. But this is really the story of God's wrath against disobedient Israel. But the reality is you read through this portion of scripture, he is recounting. Take some time and go back, and he is recounting his faithfulness to Israel, even in the midst of their unfaithfulness. And it's such an exciting portion of scripture as he goes and he reaccounts time after time of how he took care of Israel all the way back in the land of Egypt and crossing the Red Sea and in in those years in the wilderness he goes back and he talks about their their unfaithfulness and he talks about his faithfulness and I love the last verse of this chapter verse 72 so he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness 
of his hands. You know, God is faithful. It's his integrity that stands in those difficult times. We have a God who is full of integrity. We have a God who is full of faithfulness who will help us even in the midst of those uncertain times. Cherith, Cherith for Elijah was proof that God was faithful. And once again, let's go back there to 1 Kings, God is going to be faithful. And you know, when you've learned God's faithfulness, it's easy to pass that faithfulness on, isn't it? And that's what he's going to do here. He's seen God provide, so now he's going to ask this widow, as Brother Dan read for us this morning here, he's going to ask this widow to step out by faith. When he says to her, listen, bring me not only water, but bring me something to eat. And she says to him, listen, I, I, I don't have anything to give you. I, I, I'm, I was getting these sticks, and I was going to make a fire, and I was going to take my last little bit of oil, my last little bit of meal, and I was going to make a cake, and I was going to feed it to me and my son, and, and then we were going to die. Then we were going to die. And what does he say to her? He says, no, listen, go ahead, make that cake and bring it to me. Go ahead, step out by faith and make that cake and bring it to me. And so he had seen God's faithfulness. He was trusting in what God had done already. And so now he wants to pass that on to this widow. See, for her, this is an uncertain time. For her, her last meal is about to be eaten. And what's, her, what's, what's the prophet asking her to do? He's asking her to step out by faith and trust me. Step out by faith and trust me. Make that meal and bring it to me. God will be faithful. And look at verse 15. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat how many days? Mine says many days. Many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake to Elijah. Let me tell you something this morning. We need to be willing to trust God based on past experiences. Man's obedience plus God's faithfulness is formula for victory. Man's obedience plus God's faithfulness is formula for victory. You know, living this Christian life is really about obedience. It's about being obedient to the Word of God. When we're obedient, God is going to be faithful. And even often in the midst of our disobedience, as we saw in Psalm 78, God, because of his integrity, is still faithful to us. But you know what? For victory in the Christian life and for victory in those uncertain times, our obedience of doing what God tells us to do, even in the midst of uncertain times, and his faithfulness is a formula for victory. Trust God based on past experience. 
And maybe you're here this morning and, and you don't even know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're saying, Dick, I don't understand this thing about trusting God. What are, you, what are you talking about trusting God? I don't even know if I know God. And what I'm talking about when I'm talking about trusting God is the very beginning of trusting God starts here. It starts where we come to that point and we see that we're sinners. And we see that because of our sin, we are separated from God. And if we continue in that state of separation from God here, we will die and be separated from God for eternity in a place called hell. But the good news is this, is that God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sin, to be buried, and to raise again the third day so that all you had to do was to come to that point in your life and admit that you're a sinner, to cry out and say, God, I believe I'm a sinner. And God, I believe that you died on the cross for me, and I'm putting my trust in you and my faith in you to take me to heaven based on your death, your burial, and your resurrection. That's what we're talking about. That's where trust in Christ starts. That's the very beginning. So if you're here this morning and you're saying, Dick, I don't trust God. I don't know. Maybe it needs to be the start of trusting him as your savior. That's the start of trust. And then it is building upon that faith in Christ. That's what he's asking us to do. That's where the faith and trust starts. Let me just, as we close this morning, give you a few thoughts this morning of some points or some principles to ponder about this portion of Scripture. First of all, number one is God's leading is often surprising, so don't analyze it. How about Noah? Think about Noah for a minute. When God said, no, I want you to build a boat because it's going to rain. And what did, what did Noah say? Rain? God, it's never, what is rain? It's never rained. And, and so here it is. Listen, God's leading in Noah's life was surprising. But he didn't analyze it. What did he do? He just stepped out by faith. And he did what God asked him to do. And you know, those 120 years, I believe, for Noah and his family were uncertain times. They were difficult times, but what did Noah do? Every day he got up and he acted in faith. And that's what you need to do. Even in the midst of those uncertain times, it means that you have to get up and you have to act by faith. You have to get up each day and trust God. God, I'm going to put my trust. I know what you're doing. I don't understand this. God, I'm not sure I, I, I understand why you have allowed this into my life. But God, I'm going to trust you with this. The second thing I want you to, the principle to ponder is this. God's promises often hinge on obedience. Don't ignore your part. God's promises often hinge on obedience. Don't ignore your part. A promise fulfilled is often the result of our obedience. When promises have conditions, our obedience precedes God's provision. I want to encourage you to be careful about any teaching that leads to passivity. Resting in the Lord is one thing. Passive indifference is something entirely different. You know, I 
really believe that living the Christian life is one step of obedience after another. One step of obedience after another. It starts with after we're saved, the Bible says the very first thing that we're to do is what? This first step of obedience is what? Baptism. Step of obedience. Following the Lord in scriptural baptism. That's our first step of obedience. And so then after that, it's God, one step of obedience after another in living the Christian life. God's promises often hinge on obedience. Don't ignore that. When God says to get up and go, get up and go. I know for Virginia and I, after being in one church for over 21 years and enjoying the pastorate when, when, when I first that thought came to me about, you know, becoming a missionary and raising my own support and going with Awana, that wasn't real comforting. I remember, I, I can remember, I remember going to an Awana, going out to Awana headquarters for an event and being at that event and sitting there and God speaking to me and saying, okay. I think it's time for you to resign your church. And, and I can remember, I can remember sitting in that suburban church there in Chicago and telling God, no, God, I, I don't think this is a good thing. I'm really comfortable with where I am, and I like having that salary every week, and I don't like having to think about raising my own support. And so, God, you know what? I'm not really sure about this. And I remember coming back to the meetings the second day and God speaking to my heart again and saying, I want you to resign your church and I want you to become a missionary. And I argued with God again the second day. And I said, God, I don't think so. And the third day, finally, I said, okay, God, it's not what I want to do, but I'll do it. So I went home and I told Virginia, I said, hey, I think God wants us to be missionaries with Awana. He wants us to resign the church. And to my surprise, I think she had more faith than I did. She accepted it. I think maybe I came home and thought she would fight with me about it. But she didn't. She accepted it. And after that comfort zone of pastoring in one place for all those years and then having to resign and, and go do something totally different, you know, it was a step of obedience. And then number three, God's provisions are often just enough. Don't forget to thank him. God's provisions are often just enough. Don't forget to thank him. You know, that church in Newcastle I talked about, God's provisions are just enough. We lived on a little circle. And you know what was right at the end of that circle? A dairy queen. Now you talk about God's provisions. How much more could God provide than putting a Dairy Queen at the end of your street when you can walk out and get a big Buster Buddy anytime you want? I mean, is that provision? Not really. But the reality of it is, you know, there in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, God provided for us, and, and it was neat to watch what God did for us. And it was neat when... We became missionaries and watched what God did for us. And God's provisions are often just enough. Don't fail to thank him. If you postpone your gratitude until all your dreams are fulfilled and all your prayers are answered, you could easily turn into a cranky Christian always waiting for more. 
a lot of cranky Christians because we're sometimes just not satisfied to thank God with what we do have when we even don't have a lot. And so one of the things I think we need to realize is God's provisions are often just enough. Don't forget to thank him. So no matter where you are today, thank God for what you're going through and thank God for what you have. Even if you don't have what you think you should have, we should be thanking God daily. And then lastly this morning, God's plans for you is perfect. Don't forget it in uncertain times. God's plans for us is perfect. Remember I said that Zarephath meant crucible? It was a place of refinement. It was a continuing refinement. Life is one refinement after another. The, the song, How Firm a Foundation, says, The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. God is in the process of refining us Christians to be like him. We can never be like Christ without going through the crucibles of this life. We're going to see that God was preparing Elijah for a major battle up on a mountain against the prophets of Baal. We're going to see that as we come down in this story and we keep going through it. But for him to be able to do what he did up on that mount against the prophets of Baal, he had to be the boot camp of Cherith and the crucible of Zarephath would make him the man that he needed to be. God is in the refining business, and we are the ones that he is trying to refine. So maybe the day, it's an uncertain time that you're going through. Remember, it's a refining time for your life. Let's pray. This morning, maybe you're in one of those difficult times, those uncertain times God is doing a work in your life. Don't forget it. And thank him for it this morning. But I do want to ask, maybe you slipped into our service this morning, and maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe today you'd say, Dick, if I died today, I'm not 100% sure I'd go to heaven. I don't know that. The most important decision you'll ever make in life is not where you're going to live, who you're going to marry, where you're going to go to school, anything like that. The most important decision you will ever make in life is what will you do with Jesus Christ? Jesus loved you so much that he left the portals of heaven, came to this earth, lived for 33 short years, and then he died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he took your sin upon him. Your sin, my sin, he took upon him. He was buried, and he rose again victorious over sin and death. So all you had to do was to come to that point in your life, and maybe you're there today to say, I believe I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, and I'm putting my faith and trust in that and in that alone to take me to heaven. You could do that right now, right where you are. You could pray that prayer. You could pray a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's the belief in Christ. And so right where you are, would you just pray and say, Jesus, I, I know I'm a sinner. 
Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, and I'm putting my faith and trust in you, and you alone to take me to heaven. If you did that this morning, I'd encourage you to see Pastor John or see me at the back door and just say, hey, hey, Dick, hey, 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 John, today I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Today I know for sure I'm going to heaven because I put my faith and trust in Christ, in Christ alone to take me to heaven. You could do that right where you are. It could be the greatest day in your life today the day you trusted Christ. Father, we are so thankful, even for the crucibles that we go through. The uncertain times, Zarephath, when I'm sure when he, when Elijah the prophet heard that you wanted him to get up, or he had been so comfortable for the past two years, where he had been fed and been taken care of, and all of a sudden things had dried up and it was uncertain, and, and now you want him to go 100 miles away through enemy territory, to the place where Jezebel, the wicked queen, lived. I'm sure, Lord, that had to be a tough time for him. But he was willing to be obedient. And then he went, Father, and Lord, because of his faithfulness and his obedience, he was able to be a blessing to the widow at Zarephath. And Lord, even in our uncertain times, help us to be obedient so that we could be a blessing to others that are going through uncertain times. I pray these things in the name of Christ. Amen.